Welcome to Thrive Church Podcast. We just want you to know that wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, you are loved, and you are accepted. I hope that as you listen to our podcast, you are moved and inspired to grow closer in your faith with God. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the message. That makes us feel like a million bucks. And so, I, uh, and, and Thrive Church is really good at that. Thrive Church, you are really good at that. Making people feel welcome, accepted, and loved. As the church should be, right? As the church should be. So I want to get right into my message today. We're on a sermon series called Love the Verb. And uh, we call it Love the Verb uh, because that's what it is. Love is a verb. A verb is an action word. And I think we're having a lot of problems in our country today, really in the world, because we've gotten confused. We've gotten confused thinking that that love is a noun, something that is given to me, when really it's, it's a verb. You know, the American Heritage Dictionary defined love as this. It's an, an intense affection for another person based on a familial or personal ties. So in other words, it's an interaction, it's an attraction when somebody makes us feel good. You know, when you come up to me and you say, oh, you know, that, that was just wonderful, or you just look so good, and oh, when you do this, it just makes me feel so good. That's, that's kind of a noun version of, of what it is. And so all of a sudden we get stuck on, it's based on, you know, notice what the definition of, it's based on this. And when we begin to just make based on moments of what love is, it, it gets a little confusing. So in other words, if you do this for me, then I will love you. And you can kind of see the problem with that already, you know. And, and I, would, I would challenge you to get this out of the message that love, the verb, is not what you get. It's what you give. Love, the verb, is not about, God's love is not about what you get. Even though you get something out of it, it's really about what you give. It's not based on a feeling. It's not about a romantic relationship. It's not about physical intimacy. It's not about those things. And we, again, I think we have a lot of problems in our world today because we've gotten confused about what love really is. And so I think it's really important as we're talking about love, the verb, that we go a little bit deeper. I think we need to have some better understanding. And we're going to talk today about some principles of love and how we apply it to our lives so that we can better know how to receive God's love, but also know how to give God's love. And the greatest expression of God's love, in my, in my view, is communicated in the, in, the, in the famous passage in John 3.16. talked about this last week, but I want us to look at it again. This is the New Living Translation. It says this, For this is how God loved the world. This is how He expressed love, the verb, to you and I. I and all of mankind, this is what he did. It was an action. It wasn't based on how good we are. But he did this. He gave. This is his action. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We talked about, talked about this last week, but just a little review. In the New Testament, we know that it's written in Greek, and in Greek, certain words can have different meanings. 
And the word love can have up to four different meanings in the Greek text. We talked about this last week. We know that it can be kind of a romantic kind of love. And some of you got to experience that last week on Valentine's Day. And hopefully it's a little bit more than Valentine's Day. Is there anybody, any couples out there, every day is Valentine's Day? Yeah, I see those hands. Yes, yes, there you go. Well played, gentlemen, well played. <laughs> and, th- and then we know that there is like family love. You know, I love my brother and my sister. I love my parents. You know, I love my family, love my children. But then there's kind of like a, a kindred spirit, like a brother, like a brother in Christ. You know, I'm looking around the room, and I see some of you who I've connected with. And like, man, I just, Jim, I love you, man. You know, it's just kind of like that. We're, we're not blood brothers, but in Christ we are, right? And so it's just that kind of love. And this is, this, but the, the kind of love that we're talking about, love, the verb is agapo love, or some people call it agape love. That's the Greek word for it. And this is love the verb. And, and this is what we just read in this scripture verse here, John 3.16. The love that God demonstrated for us was selfless. He didn't make it about him. He made it about you. And he gave of himself. So he was other-focused. It's sacrificial. He, he gave his very best for you. And then it was servant-hearted and it, because it added value to your life. And he, again, he thought of you. And here's the, here's the reason. Here's the reason why this is so important. Because we, once we discover God's love, once we discover what it is, we also discover that we are commanded to live this same love out in our lives. That, that is so crucial. We need to understand the love that God has given to us is the same love that we are called to live with other people in our lives. As a matter of fact, it's, it's a commandment. Because Jesus later on tells us in John 13, verses 34 and 35, the New Living Translations, he says, so now, now, once I've just demonstrated John 3, 16, so now I'm telling you, I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. You know who, who the each others are in your life? And let me, let me explain. The each others in your life is anyone, anyone other than you. Okay, does that clarify it for you? Anyone that's other than you, you're supposed to love those people. And so he says to love each other, just as I loved you, John 3.16 kind of love, agape love, selfless, sacrificial, servant-hearted, just as I have loved you, you need to go and take that and love others. And then he says this, and he says, your love, how you demonstrate, love the verb, for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Man, that's, ooh, that's heavy stuff there. I mean, that really puts the ball in our court. I want you to understand this about agape love. Love is what separates us from all the other creatures. There's no other creature that really understands or can grasp. I mean, they like when you pet them and when you feed them. They, you know, they act like they love you and everything, but they don't fully understand God's kind of love. Second of all, love is a free choice you make. It's what makes it real. It is a decision, and God will never force you to love Him. He'll give you every single reason to love Him, but He'll never force it. And here's my other thought on love. Love, I think, is our culture's biggest need. I think, again, because we have lost the definition, we lost the meaning of what true love is. We have a lot of people who are brokenhearted and wounded in life. And I I want you to know, I believe your biggest need here today 
is to know and experience God's love so that you can live it out. God is counting on you to live out love the verb as a reflection of him in a hurting world. I think it's very important that we, we understand what this looks like. And so what we're going to do in this rest of this message here, we're going to look at 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. And we know that John the Evangelist speaks to us in these passages, and he gives us, we're going to, today we're going to focus on three principles of love. And again, in order to receive God's love, we have to understand it. In order to be able to live out God's love, we need to understand these three principles, okay? So we're going we're to look at this. This is what uh, John says here. He says, first of all, God is love. God is love. First John 4, 7, and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who, who, who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, I, I, I spent a lot of time this week like, okay, this is how do, you, how do you explain God is love? How do you, how do you explain it? And, it? and I just came up with a couple thoughts I want to share with you. Here's, here's just my insights of what I gained from this. First of all, I, we, we all recognize that God is the creator of love. He's the creator of all creation, the creator of all things. God is the creator of love. John even tells us here that love comes from God. So in the beginning... God created, we know that He created the heavens and the earth. He created Adam and Eve. And do you ever wonder why did God create Adam and Eve? What, what was the purpose? What separated Adam and Eve from all the other animals? And my understanding of God is our God as a relational being. And God's number one desire was to have relationship with mankind. Here's one of those moments here, real quick here. And I've said this before, I will continue to say it. God's number one desire for your life is to have a relationship with you. He wants to have a father-son, father-daughter. God's greatest desire, He created you for relationship. Created you for relationship. He's a relational being. And how do I know this? Look at this. The top ten list, ten commandments. What is it really all about? You look at the first four commandments, and what does it deal with? It deals with our relationship with God. Isn't that interesting? Don't, don't have any other gods before me. Don't, don't place idols in front of me. Don't use my name in vain. Honor the Sabbath. It's a relationship with God. And, he, and God tells us if we would honor these things, our relationship with Him will come alive. But then you look at the other six. This is how we know he's a relational being. The other six, what does it deal with? It deals with our relationship with each other. Don't steal from me, and I'll be nice to you. Don't lie to me, I'll be nice. You know what I mean? It's, it's all about relationship. Our God is a relational being, and that is why he created love. Number two, God defined what love is. It's not in your notes, but John 15, 13 Jesus said, he said to us, there is no greater love, there's no greater demonstration of love than to lay down one's life for his friends. God demonstrated what that looks like. 
He demonstrated that for us when He came and He died on the cross. God gave us His Son. Jesus came and He died on the cross. He died sacrificially. He died as a ser- servant-heartedly and He died selflessly. God st- demonstrated what God's love is. He demonstrated that He saw that you had a need. Each and every person in this room has a need. All those hundreds of people who are driving by this church every single day We all have a need. We all, our hearts are dying without Him. Read a story, or I watched it on ESPN. Guy by the name of Rod Carew, Hall of Fame baseball player. Anybody ever heard of him? Just a side note here. When I was in college, uh, I was a taxi cab driver in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Man, that was a great job to prepare me for ministry. But I had Rod Carew. In, in my taxi cab one time. I had no idea who he was until he got out of the car. I wish I would have known who that was. A few years ago, Rod Carew was dying of heart diseases, and the only answer for his heart disease was a heart transplant. Now, if you've ever heard of stories about heart transplants, it's kind of like a bittersweet story. It always is, because we, we know this, in order for somebody to be able to live somebody's going to have to die. Ironically, an NFL football player by the name of Conrad Ruland, 29 years of age, played for the Baltimore Ravens, tight end, died of a brain aneurysm. Ironically, or whatever, God just set it up where Rod Carew got to receive this 29-year-old man's heart. Rod Carew is doing well today, but he got to meet with this young man's mother some weeks, months down the road. They, they set up a meeting. First thing she wanted to do is she just said, can I just put my ear up to your chest? I just wanted to hear my son's heart beating, listening to his heart. And then she looked at Rod Carew and she says, you, from now on, you are now part of our family. You're now part of our family. And I look at this, and that's exactly what God did for us. (laughs) Because again, each and every person in this room, myself including, dying of a heart condition, and I cannot fix myself. And knowing that if I don't put myself in the hands of the, of the, uh, the great heart surgeon and allow him to put Jesus' heart into mine, I'm gonna die. And that's what God did for us. And he says, and through this, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God places his heart inside of you, and you become born again. But not only that, you become part of God's family. God is the essence of love. Perfect love resonates in God himself. Now, Again, we've only been here, we've lived in Wausau, we, we were just almost a year, do you realize that? In a few weeks it will be one year that we were elected the pastor of the church here, and then we moved here in June, and we noticed this phenomenon that happens here in Wausau. We moved out in Weston, so that's, that's where we recognize this phenomenon, like June. So we drove by this place, maybe you've heard of it, maybe some of you have not heard of it, a place called Bricks. Anybody heard of bricks, an ice cream stand? If you haven't heard of it, try it out sometime. It's pretty phenomenal. We notice this phenomenon. Night or day, 
there's always a line. There's this line of people. You know how crazy this is? You know how crazy it is? Who has an ice cream stand that opens up in the middle of winter in February? Bricks. <laughs> so we're driving down the road. We drive by it every once in a while. And I look at the thermostat in our car. The outside temperature is 2 degrees. I look on my phone. It's negative 20 degrees. That same line. I'm looking over at Bricks. That same line still exists. Bricks ice cream. What's my point here? I would say that the, way the people of Wausau, and I would agree with you probably, that it is the essence of what ice cream is and should be. <laughs> it is, should be. They're especially, I, looking through their menu, this, I, I happen to be a fan of this thing called Funky Monkey Flurry. Hey, Funky Monkey, any Funky Monkey fans out there? That would be the essence, that would be the epitome of what it could be and what it should be. What it should be. God is the essence of what true love is. When you think of bricks, when I say that word, everybody, an ice cream cone pops up in your mind. That flurry, funky monkey, just pops up in your mind. And right now, some of you are salivating. And so when you, it should be for us, when we think of what love is, we think of God. Because He is the essence of what love is. When we, when, we, when we talk to our spouse, when we talk to that friend, you know, I, I, I love you. We think of God because He is the essence of what love is. And last of all, love is incomprehensible. And that means we, we cannot, it, it, is so, it is so incredible, we can't even grasp it. Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, not in your notes, but it says this. And, he said, and Paul says, and may you have the power to understand all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is for you. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be able to complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It's incomprehensible. We can't even fully grasp it. So we're talking about the principles of love here this morning, okay? My first thought is that God is love. God is love. Look at your neighbor and say, God is love. God is love. Second thought here is God loves you. No, I mean that. I've been a pastor for 20-some years, and every time I bring up this subject, there's a tension in the room because some people really struggle with that idea. I have I've had conversations with people and say, Pastor, you have no idea what I've done. I have... I've gone so far. <laughs> there's, there's just no way that God could love me. You, you don't realize what I've done. I have let him down. Hey, I've let him down for the last time. There's no way that God can love me. I want you to know, no matter where you've been, no matter what's happened in your life, what decision you made, no matter how many times you have flipped him off, and you have ignored him, avoided him, swore he never existed, God loves you. Some of you just needed to be reminded, those who are watching online, some of you just needed to hear that today. God loves you. I really think that's, the, that's the, our hurting world today needs to be reminded that God loves them with an everlasting love. And I think there's a people who are starving for this love. 
It says here in 1 John that, that he says God showed how much he loved us. How did he do that? By sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. And then he says, this is real love. This is real. It's not that fake stuff. This is the real stuff. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And he didn't just say it because sometimes words can be cheap, right? It's just easy to throw out, I love you, I love you, man. It's easy to say that. But he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So I just want us to, right now, I just want you to say nothing. Nothing. Everybody, repeat after me. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from God's love. How many parents are here? Parents? Sometimes... We, we love our kids, right? Every, all the parents said, amen, love my kids. But sometimes I don't like what they do. <laughs> sometimes they're doing things that, ah, uh, oh. And us control freak parents, we can't fix it. We've tried and we can't. And, you know, they get older and they're doing, they're doing their thing. And they can reject us and they can tell us they hate us and all that other stuff but it doesn't take away the love, does it? Because as parents, I mean, I don't know if you really fully understand until you become a parent that there's nothing that can separate our love for our kids, nothing that they do. Oh, sometimes they can try us. Sometimes they can really take us to the point, but nothing will separate us. We will always love our kids. It happened just, just at that moment, that moment at birth, even before that, that love happened for them. And this is the same Paul explains it the same way. He says this in Romans 8, 38 through 39. This is how God loves us. He says, so I'm convinced that nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what has happened, nothing can separate you from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears are today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Nothing in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we just all say thank you, God? Thank you, God, for your love for us. And here's the deal. You don't deserve it. You don't. I don't deserve it. You, you, you can't make it any more, and you can't make it any less. I mean, it's already at full capacity. There's nothing like, hey, hey, God, watch me here. I'm going to help this lady across the street. It, it, it doesn't work that way. God loves you no matter what. And God's love is this. The Bible tells us, and I could tell you the Scripture verses, that it's unconditional. It's grace-filled. It is full of mercy. It is all-consuming. It's boundless. It is overflowing. Do you hear how much God loves you today? God loves you. My question is, why do you struggle with that? Why do we struggle? Because we know when we struggle with God's love, it affects our identity, doesn't it? When we, when we, when we believe the lies that God does not love us, we... We struggle to find our identity. We try to find our identity in other things, but we, we run away from God because we feel like God does not love us. But I know my identity has changed. I remember years ago, 
And this, this dates me here. I remember Princess Diana's wedding. I maybe you remember Princess Diana's wedding and Prince Charles. And I remember then the big announcement. They had children and Prince William and Prince Harry. And I just remember maybe having kids at that time. I don't know. I'm not that old. My wife is 39, so that would make me... Never mind. <laughs> I, I just remember seeing a video, and it caught my attention. You know, maybe it's like a news flash, and they were watching a parade go by, and there was Princess Diana and Prince, Prince William, and the two, or, or Prince William and Harry, the little ones, maybe five, six, seven, eight years old, Every little boy at that age, all I know is they're just, they look like they got to pee their pants or something. They just, and here these two little boys were just sitting there. Like, how does that happen? How, how, do, how do you do that? And I, I'm just convinced maybe a part of that is because of, they know their identity. They know that they are parents of uh, well, royalty. And I, and I just think one, I just think my behavior changes when I realize my identity, that I'm a child of the king. Now, I'm not, not just a king. I'm not talking about a president, but I'm, I'm not talking more than a king. I'm talking about the king of kings. I'm a child of the king. And if Christ lives in you, you are a child of the king, and this king loves you very much. And you know what that does for me? That builds my security. I, I, I just feel less secure when I really grasp how much God loves me. It, it creates in me a security. And when I have that security, I have a peace. You know what the Bible calls that peace? It's a peace that passeth all understanding. How many of you are experiencing that today? How many of you have experienced before? It's a peace. You can't even explain it. It's just God's love, man. Once I grasp God's love, change me. Change me. Three principles of God's agape love. God is love. God loves you. And nothing can separate you from God's love. Number three, God created you for love. This is a really important part right here. So in this next passage, verses 11 and 12, John implies that there should be an input and an outflow of God's love in our lives. Let me say that one more time. What I'm about to read here, he implies there is an input of God's love and there should be an outflow of God's love. Look at this, verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we just talked about that, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God but if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. Inflow, in input, outflow. Because God loves you, He pours His love inside of you. How many of you have experienced God's love? You, you, you know exactly what that is. It's just like, man, He put His Spirit in me, and it's just something came alive in me. That's input. But then also, then, but then there's a call for this outflow. There should be a natural outflow of love towards the people in our lives. And some people, they, I think they struggle with that. God created you not only to receive His love, but to extend that same love into others. Now, if I, if I can just use the corniest, 
sermon illustration I think I've ever came up with. I've wrestled. I'm like, i got to have a cooler gadget around my house than this. But this is the only one that came to mind, and I got this whole gimpy arm thing going on, so this is the one I'm going to work with, all right? Can you work with me with my, my cheesy illustration here? I have here a stapler. Now, I don't know who, who the created this stapler is. I don't know. I have a swing line stapler here. I don't know if it was Mr. Swing Line or Mr. Stapler who created, but he had a purpose. He had an intention. And, and when this thing is a full gadget working mode, it puts pieces of paper together, and it's just the coolest gadget ever. And this is how it works. And I think some of you have staplers at home. I wanted to use the staple gun, but that wasn't workable today. But it got these, it got these you know how it works here. It's going to come apart here. You got these staples here. And, and, and you, he sets it up, and it's just a smooth operating mechanism. You just put the staple in here, and the stapler receives the staple. Yes, it's got others in here. And you just put it down and voila, it's ready to do its thing. It's, it's ready to work. And here's, but here's, here's the problem that, that I think I've seen in a, in a lot of Christ followers. Here's a, here's, here, if you don't use the stapler and it's sitting on your desk, the, it turns into, it's no longer a stapler, it's a paperweight. That's what it turns into, a paperweight. And so it is with us. If God is continually pouring His love into us, but He's created us for so much more to go out and put people to... I broke my stapler, got it. <laughs> We're called to make a difference. Called to make a difference. Please, hear me. God doesn't need you to be a paperweight. He didn't create you to be a paperweight. He called you to reflect His love in this world. That's why He poured His love into you so that you feel it, you experience it, it changes your life, so you experience a peace that passes all in their saying. But He's called you to be an extension of God's love. We weren't meant to be a paperweight, church. In fact, I think the church should be the most loving, based on this, it should be the most loving entity on this entire earth. You should be the most loving, life-giving person in your neighborhood because God poured His inconceivable, incomprehensible love inside of you, and He's called you for it to be an outflow of your life. It's kind of like, a, if I use this, another illustration, it's kind of like, I don't know, it would be disheartening to know, I don't know if I know a millionaire, maybe I do, but for a millionaire to just live their lives gaining wealth and gaining wealth and gaining wealth, and that's all that they live for, but did nothing to help others with that wealth. You know what that word is called? It's greed. Don't be greedy with the love that God's poured into you. Don't be greedy with it. Be generous. I, I want it to be known of me that I'm, I was generous with my love. Here's, I want to just talk about this here. I'm going to change this just up a little bit because I think there's a lot of people. There's our great message, Pastor. Great. Love the verb. Get exactly what you're saying. But it's hard to receive. Have you ever met somebody who... They don't do it maybe so much physically, but, and if I could use this other arm here, I would make a cross with my arm. I cross my chest here. 
They just live their lives like this. Oh, I'm not getting close to you. Oh, I'm not getting close to you. Don't let anybody in. Don't let anybody out. This is my life. You know, you know why people live like that? I would call this, this is what you call heart closure. Heart closure. Hey, I have, I have this store sign that was made up here. And, and we know that when the store is open, <laughs> come on in, yeah, just look around, you know, yeah, check out, the, oh, yeah, it's great, I'm going to give you a discount, I like you. And, but we know that when the store is closed, it means we're locked the doors and you cannot come in. Nobody in, nobody out. In fact, if you go into a store and they have a closed sign, and you go inside, you can get arrested. <laughs> Don't go there. And this is heart closure. Here, here's another word that, that I would call this. I would call this, I think the Bible calls this brokenhearted. There's a lot of people who have been brokenhearted. And there's many things that cause a heart to be broken. There's many reasons why a person is, struggles with God's love receiving it and struggles with giving it out is because they're brokenhearted, because they've been wounded, and there's a pain in their life. They've been abandoned, been rejected. They've been discouraged, anxious, whatever. In fact, I used to, when I was a youth pastor, I, I had I worked with this one school district, and I had built this relationship where they, could, they would allow me to minister to any kid. It was just incredible. I could counsel with any kid at any time, and, I, and they would just give me referrals, and I, I don't know how that worked, but it did. And I, I started to meet with this young lady named Sue. That's how I'm going to give you her name. And man, this Sue was the epitome of closed. And man, I would, oh, man, I would not want to mess with Sue. I mean, I'm telling you, this girl was angry, raging. And I would just pick and probe and pick and probe and I'm like, I don't know why. And she would, like, request to meet with me. And then I'd, I would meet with her, and, like, she just, just wouldn't say a word, but almost growl. Finally, I, I asked her, Sue, why are you so angry? And I don't know what it was, but it seemed like the dam opened up. She goes, you want to know why I'm so angry? I go home and my stepfather has done this. Just, yeah. I went to the police department and they know my stepfather and they ignore me. I can't stand the pain any longer. Talk about closed. <laughs> oh. Got to work with Sue. Got to share with her God's love and and one day, I don't know when it happened, but she came in to youth group one night, and it was open. You know how I knew it was open? How in the world did Sue wind up on the worship team? <laughs> Is that Sue lifting her hands during worship? Dear Lord, thank you. Something changed. God healed that closed heart and made it open again. And that's what Psalms tells us that He does, that God heals the brokenhearted and He bandages their wounds. 
Jesus tells us, maybe you're here today and your heart is so closed. You're like, Pastor, great message about God's love. I just, it's hard for me to experience it. It's hard for me to give it because my heart is broken. But Jesus tells us what to do here. Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, come to me, all those who are weary and carry heavy burdens, brokenhearted, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. If you're here today and your heart is broken, Jesus gives you the invitation. And he's such a gentleman, he doesn't intrude into your life. But he says, come to me. Come to me. Open up your heart. Let me come in and and bring healing. Let me have connection with you. Just give me just a little bit. Will you please open up your heart to me? Because I have so much I want to give to you. And there's so much that I want to do to work through you. There's nothing more fulfilling than to feel God's love working through you, working through your hands and through your feet. But that will not happen with a heart, a broken heart. So maybe you're here today and you're like, Pastor, I I just want to to experience God's love in a way I've never did before. And you nailed it. Man, my heart's broken. You, you have no idea what happened to me. I don't, I don't, but God does. That's what matters. Will you give your heart to him today? Give your heart to him. And it's, it's always just this easy to experience God's love is just ask for it. Can we do that if that's you here this morning? Just say, God, my heart is broken. I know your love. I know you love me, but I've not experienced because I've been closed off. Heal my broken heart today. And God, I ask that you would come and live inside of that heart and make it new. I want to live for you, Father. I know that you died for me on the cross. You extended that love to me. And I want to extend that same love to others. So I give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name, I want to live in relationship with you. Amen. Amen. Can we just give the God of love just a shout out this morning? Can we just give him praise? Quickly here, principles of God's love. Understand this, that God is love. Number two, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Number three, God created you to both receive and to give love. Don't be a paperweight. We've been, we did this last week, we started. It's my closing thoughts here. So last week we said, hey, it's the season of Lent, which just started on Wednesday. And Lent is really, it's a kind of a spiritual self-disciplining in preparation for Easter, 40 days out. And so like, how can we utilize this? So we, we, we come up with the 40 days of love challenge. And last week we just said, we're going to give you a verb. Love is a verb. And you're going to hear, not from your pastor, but hear from God and say, how do you want me to live out this verb this week? How many of you did that? Last week, you got to listen. You got to listen. All right. This week, Gary, ready for your verb? Here's your verb for the week if you accept a challenge. The verb is accept. Accept. You read story after story of Jesus in the Gospels. Remember that story that the Samaritan woman? Oh, my goodness. Talk about acceptance. Remember that story that woman called in adultery? Acceptance. Remember that that dinner he had with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes? 
acceptance. Didn't accept the sin, accepted the person. And what if this week we were to practice Romans 15, 17, therefore accept each other just as Christ accepted you so that you will be given glory. So Lord, this week, I pray for Thrive Church as we go out and we live out love the verb in a hurting world. Lord, just as you are pouring your love into us each and every day, teach us now to pour out your love. I pray that you would show us acceptance for people that we totally disagree with politically, in life, in principle, but God, teach us to accept and love them. Show us what that looks like. God, we're excited about what you have in store. In Jesus' name I pray, and everyone said, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for checking out the Drive Church Podcast. I hope you're inspired by the message today. If you like what you heard, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast so we can impact more lives. Remember, wherever you are in your faith journey, you are welcomed, loved, and accepted. Have a wonderful day.